Hey Trinity, thanks for joining us today. I'm so thankful that you're with us wherever you may be. If this is your first time hanging out with us, take a moment, fill out that online connection card. Now we won't come knocking on your door or do anything weird, I promise. Uh, we simply just wanna send you a free gift to say thanks for joining us online. And our prayer is that your first time, it won't be your last time. Now before we dive into the message, I wanna take a few seconds and just honor our amazing staff team here at Trinity. We are so blessed with the pastors and staff that God has brought together. You know, over the last few months, I've seen this team be flexible, make some really difficult decisions, and also work incredibly hard. You should be so proud of the staff team here at Trinity. And I know that they love you, and your safety is also their number one priority. And again, I just want to honor you by saying thanks for being so flexible with us as we navigate this new way of doing church. And once we regather on July 12th, you can expect a shorter service that will allow us to safely transition and sanitize between services. It's important for you to know this because we want you to invite your friends and guests if they feel comfortable attending. So share out the website and the app. In fact, right now you can go to trinitymesa.church regather for all of our current info. And as always, if you have any questions, you can call our church office and we can help answer any questions for you. Now today, as we continue our Summer at Trinity series, I'm honored to have JJ Alderman, one of our ministry partners that we support in Togo, West Africa, here to speak for us today. You know, JJ and I have been the best of friends for almost 20 years when we first met in Bible college. And what God is doing through JJ and Melissa in West Africa through the ministry of the Six Degree Initiative is absolutely amazing. I know JJ will share a little bit more about the ministry, but church, you should be proud that your giving is being well invested in church planting and leadership multiplication. You know, last year, a few of you saw this ministry firsthand, and we plan on taking many more trips to see and support this great work in the future. And Trinity, I don't know if you know this or not, but because of your incredible generosity, we're not only able to support the aldermans, but we support over 20 global partners that are faithfully taking the good news of Jesus to all areas of our world. I'm so proud that we're not just a mission-minded church, but we really are a mission-hearted church, and your generosity is impacting people all around the world. So today, church, I know you're gonna be blessed by this powerful message, so open up your heart, lean in to the word as JJ comes to share with us today. Hey Trinity, it's great to be with you. I've been excited and looking forward to this time to come back and share a little bit about what God has been doing in West Africa through our partnership together. In fact, over the last couple of years as we've partnered together, we've seen God do some incredible things. I wanna take you back nine years ago to a little girl's life named Valerie. Valerie was three years old at the time when she first walked to Courtyard Kids, which is a ministry we do in all of our church planting there in Togo, West Africa. Valerie fell asleep on the ground, which is pretty common for her to be able to sleep on a mat with the other kids during Courtyard Kids. And the pastor's wife named Naka picked Valerie up and carried her home. And when she carried her home, she got to her mom and Valerie's mom asked the question, you care about my kid that much that you would pick her up and carry her home to us because you love our children. Naka said, yeah, we do. And in fact, let me tell you some more about, about love and a God that loves us. And in fact, Naka used that opportunity to be able to share the gospel with Valerie's mom. And you know, because of that, Valerie's mom trusted Jesus as her personal savior and entered into relationship with the God that created her. Over the next coming weeks, 
Valerie's aunt and dad also trusted Christ as well. I remember very, very vividly the day when I got a call and I said, and I was told tomorrow morning, you need to be here. We're going to burn the family's idols. I can remember looking over to my right and watching the children and to my left, watching the parents as the idols were in front of us because this family had decided to follow Jesus. And the next day they were gonna get baptized and go public with their faith. And so that day, as we lit the idols on fire, I remember thinking this is a three-year-old little girl that's never gonna know what it means to grow up in a family where people worship false gods. But in fact, on the contrary, she's gonna grow up with a family that knows Jesus and teaches her what it means to follow Jesus in a loving community. That family has continued to be faithful over the years. They've been an integral part of that first church plant there in Southern Togo. And they've used that as a way for us to be able to reach people. As I look at Valerie's story, she's grown now. She's shot up in height. She's 12 years old now. And Valerie was sitting in church just a couple months ago and was listening to Pastor Jonas as he was encouraging each church member to share their faith with someone this year. And when that person comes to faith in Jesus, to be able to help them to grow in that relationship. Valerie came back within a few weeks with a smile on her face and said, I just shared with one of my friends in school and my friend gave their life to Jesus. I thought to myself, look at the culmination, look at the way this story continues to progress and watching someone who was an integral part in their family come into faith in Christ and now they're sharing with others. And so as we think about what God has done and is doing in West Africa through our partnership, I wanna say thank you. We come with a, a place of gratitude because we get to watch this on the front lines day in and day out in what God is doing. And because of your intentional giving and your sacrifice and your consistent prayers for what God's doing on the other side of the world, we're seeing amazing things happen. Just in the last six months, we've watched other people within these churches that are hearing and that are being asked the question and hearing the statement, what does it look like for you to take the gospel to someone else, to a community that doesn't yet know? And so people are taking their time on Saturday afternoon, on Sunday afternoon, after work in their fields, and they're going back to their family and their friends. And they're saying, can I tell you about the relationship that changed everything in my life? And because of that, we've seen 14 churches that have been planted just in the last six months. These are churches that are running between 15 and 20 people. Sometimes they meet under a mango tree. Sometimes they're meeting in someone's courtyard. Sometimes they're meeting outside of a school. But people are learning what it means to follow Jesus day in and day out and to share that with other people. And so as this continues to grow and progress and to multiply, may I ask you to pray a prayer with us? We're asking God for 190,000 people, 190,000 new disciples from 10 unreached people groups in Togo and in Benin. And so as we partner together, would you ask God to continue to do something that only he can on the other side of the world? And as he does, we'll continue to celebrate together. I look forward in the coming months to you sending another group of people from here at Trinity to come join us and to work alongside of us for a season. And so maybe that's you. We would love to have you join us and come see and experience firsthand what God's doing. Well, this summer here at Trinity, 
you have been talking about people in the Old Testament and decisions that they've made in their lives that we can emulate. Things that we should look at it as an example and say, there's something in that person's life from this Old Testament story that I need to take and apply to my own life. And so today we're gonna talk about a story, the story of Joseph. Joseph, when we look at his life, he just lived out this example of character from the beginning to the end. And I think we can all agree that we live in a world today where character is not always very easy to find. And yet for us, we need to continually make that one of the most important decisions that we live with and that we live out in our lives even this week. And so we're gonna talk about the consistency of Joseph's character today. I don't know if you know much about his story, but his story is one that can be told in a couple different ways. We could start by talking about his story as a rags to riches story. Someone who started with his family and eventually moved up to the second most powerful person in the entire world. He was successful if there ever such is such a thing as success in the way that we measure that. We could look at his story in another way. We could look at the fact that he was born into a seemingly good family. And yet within just a few years as a 17 year old, he was sold by his brothers into slavery and he spent the entire rest of his life as a foreigner in another country, in a country where people worshiped other gods than the creator God. And so he didn't have that voice and he didn't have that standing as a foreigner in that land. So we could see it that way as well. And then we could also look at his life in a way to where you could see that there were seasons and times where he was a very powerless person. And there were seasons and times in his life where he was extremely powerful. He actually experienced the narrative on both sides. He understood what it meant to live as a powerless person where other people got to dictate the decisions and he was only on the receiving end. And then he also had seasons in his life where he was extremely powerful. And he used that in the way that he had an opportunity. So we could look at his life in multiple different ways. But if nothing else, we can understand that it's as if he was on a ride that had it, uh, its ups and its downs. He experienced everything throughout his life. So let's go back to the beginning and brush over that. And maybe for some of you, this is the first time you've heard his story. Joseph started off born into a family, youngest of a bunch of brothers, loved by his father. He was sent out to check on his brothers who were herdsmen and to make sure that they were doing okay. And their, his jealous older brothers decided that they were gonna get rid of this younger brother, this brother who had dreams and aspirations that one day he was gonna rule. And so because of that, they threw him in a pit. And then a couple moments later, they decided that they were gonna sell him into slavery. They sold their very brother into slavery. This is a brother that comes from the same father, a brother that they'd grown up with and they were willing to completely get rid of him. And they sold him to nomads that were traveling through in a caravan. He was exploited and he was trafficked as a slave to the most powerful developed nation in the entire world. When he arrived there, he was sold and he ended up in a guy named Potiphar's house. If it wasn't hard enough for him to already be a slave in Potiphar's house. He had to work through the difficulty and the turmoil of being in another country and having zero standing whatsoever. 
Yet he worked and he was faithful. And as he continued to work, he was promoted to where he continued to run all of Potiphar's house. Everything seemed to be going pretty well. If you can look at his life as a slave in Potiphar's house as well, but at least his perspective was in the right direction. Potiphar's wife started to take a liking to him and even had ulterior motives and started making advances. He pushed back on those advances multiple times until one day he was alone in the house and there was very little he could do. He had to make a decision. And in this case, he decides to run. The story spins on him completely because he's the aggressed and yet it's told as if he's the aggressor. And so he's thrown into a prison, not any prison, but a prison that's a political prison for Potiphar and the powerful people of Egypt. And so he's in this place where he's not only supposed to be put away, but he's supposed to be put away and it's supposed to be very clear to him that he just offended the wrong person. He works faithfully once again in this prison and he becomes a respected, responsible person. One day, a couple of his fellow prisoners wake up with a dream and they said, I've had this dream and I don't know what to do about it. And Joseph says, I know what the dream is. God can help me interpret this for you and I'm going to help you. The story didn't end perfectly for each one of these people, but one of them was able to be released from prison and restored back to his place. And Joseph asked this question, can you remember me when you're free on the other side and I'm still a captive in here? Well, unfortunately, Joseph was forgotten once again. Time progressed and he stayed in prison until one day Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the entire world, had a dream that no one could interpret. And at that point, this man, this liberated, restored man says, I met a man in prison, maybe he can help us. Maybe he can help Pharaoh with this as well. And so Joseph is taken out of prison, presented before Pharaoh, and he interprets the dream that God allows him to be able to do and says, here's the deal. This is what's gonna happen. For the next seven years, you're gonna see seven years of feast in this entire land. And then after these seven years of feast, you're gonna see seven years of famine. And so we need to prepare for this. Pharaoh looked around and said, is there anybody in this land who could do this for us? Who would be able to help us to be able to manage this? And he looked at Joseph and he said, Joseph, you're the man. You're the man that we're gonna set in charge to be able to manage this. And so Joseph became the second most powerful man in all of the land. As we pick up this story, we can look at the seasons that he had and we could say that he was in a pit for a time and then he was in front of Potiphar and then prison and then eventually in Pharaoh's house. But as we look at his narrative, that looks a whole lot more like a roller coaster than anything else. You could chart it from highs to lows to even lower and then back up to the top again. There's one thing that we see, it's the consistency of his character and the way that that stayed constant throughout his entire story with every decision that he has. When we talk about those choices and I talk with them, we talk with young believers in Togo, we talk about those as intersections in people's lives. And we don't always understand in those intersections what choice we're gonna make and what the outcome is going to become. But we do have to understand that character is what has to drive us through as we continue to make the right decisions. And so today we're gonna look at five decisions that Joseph made in his life that were very driven by his character, controlled by his character and guided by it. 
And I believe that this week, we're gonna have opportunities to make character-based decisions in our life as well. So let's look at the first one here. First decision that Joseph made, his relationship with God influenced every decision he made. In fact, we can see that five times throughout the 13 chapters in the book of Genesis, where it says, and God was with Joseph. See, the most important thing about us is our relationship with our creator. When we talk to people in Togo and I get to have a conversation with them, I often ask them the question, if there's a creator and since there's a creator, if he wanted to have a relationship with you, would you wanna have a relationship with him? And from that conversation, we see people that enter into a relationship because of what Jesus did for them on the cross about 2000 years ago. And then we continue to grow in that relationship. It's not a one time, but it's the beginning of that relationship. Because of Joseph's life and because of his relationship with his creator, it guided every one of his decisions. And so it's hard for us to negate this in the rest of his story as he had these very difficult decisions to make in understanding that because of this, it guided the way he saw the entire world. It was the lens through which he saw every decision and the lens through which he saw culture and everything that happens. The second decision he made was that he made people's lives better everywhere he went. In all three instances, after he left that pit and he was sold into Potiphar's house and then in prison and then in Pharaoh's house, there are three verses in each one of those stories that say, and basically Joseph could be trusted with everything and he managed or stewarded it as if it was his own. He looked at the other person and he truly treated the other person how he wanted to be treated. He looked at that scenario and said, how would I want to hear this or receive this if I was on the other end? If I was having someone else manage this for me, what would I want? And so in turn, he treated that person in that scenario and every decision in that environment in the way that he wanted to be on the receiving end as well. And because of that, it boosted great confidence, great trust in him because he was the person that could be trusted. And you know what? Everyone around benefited. I have multiple friends that would definitely live this out where you would say, when I spend time with this person and your pastor would be one of those, I walk away a better person because they encourage me. They point me towards my relationship with Christ and they help me to be a better person. Have you ever heard this? Since that person came to school or joined Trinity and started uh, influencing and being a part and contributing, this place is better because they're here. In fact, if they were not here, we would notice. We would notice if they're not a part of us because they make us better. What does it look like to show up and to contribute wherever you are, wherever in whatever sphere of influence that God's given you this week to say, I'm gonna contribute and make this better because I'm there. In fact, let's look here. He chose the best decision over the easy one. In fact, look here in Genesis 39, when he starts to, this is in the scenario where he's standing there with Potiphar's wife, he's tempted and she's making advances towards him. And this is his answer. He says, he, Potiphar, has put everything that he has in my charge. He's not greater in this house than I am. 
nor has he kept back anything from me except you because you are his wife. He made this decision that was far from the easy decision. In fact, for the next multiple years, he continued to pay the price. Can you imagine when he woke up in prison days later and he was sitting there playing back in his mind, what if I would have done this differently? And yet he chose to keep his character central in his decision-making process saying, I'm not willing to give up my character for this because of God and because of Pharaoh that I serve, I absolutely cannot do this. And so the easy decision would have been one that probably would have even given him some temporary gratification, an easier way out, but he chose the difficult one. He chose the best one even though he paid the consequences for it for years to come. And yet when I think back in my life, even on the hard decisions that we have to make, I never regret making the hard one, making the best one, making the right one. But if I ever look back and say, I took the easy way out in that intersection, in that choice, where character was not applied in that situation, I always look back with regret and wish that I would have made a character filled decision. Let's look at the fourth choice that he makes here. He chose relationship over being right. Think about his brothers. The last time he saw his brothers, he was probably hearing things like, you're dead to me. We hate you. You think you're dad's favorite. Why do you think you're better than us? And then he's sold into slavery to be forgotten forever. Years later, He's sold as a 17 year old. He comes to a position of power as a 30 year old. And years later, he chooses to spend time on that relationship and to prioritize the relationship over getting back and getting even. See, the story tells us the first couple times that he sees these brothers, he doesn't actually reveal who he is to them. Times have changed them. They look different. He's found a way to disguise himself to these brothers. And so he stands and fully knows who they are and they have no clue who he is. He could have that point had them killed, immediately thrown into the same political prison that he spent time in, but instead he chooses relationship. He chose relationship over trying to be right And so this restoration, here's the the conversation, what happens here, it says, and he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. After that, his brothers talked with him. We live in a world right now where so often we wanna be right. And it seems as we're searching for what is right, it moves, it's that moving target. It's something that almost can't be attained. And as we're searching for this target, we often forget that it starts with relationship. It starts with a conversation where we look at someone and we don't speak past them. We don't speak just so that we will be heard, but we speak with the intent of caring about them and we listen. We listen to where they are, what their hurts and their hangups and their concerns and their dreams and their hopes are. And we say, I validate you, I care about you. And from that relationship, we can move forward. In Africa, we have this phrase that says, we're together. When someone says we're together, they don't mean that they're walking down the street beside you. They mean we're together. They mean, if you need me, call me. If you need something, I'm there for you. I believe in you and I want your good. To say we're together is not an easy thing to say, but what it means is relationship matters. 
our relationship matters. And Joseph could have very easily gone for what he considered justice and to be right. And instead he said, of all that, I actually want to restore relationship. Let's look at the fifth decision he made. He was unchanged by power and prestige. He left a place in his father's house, in his family, where he had what he needed. But for the next number of years, he lived a life under the system that was oppressive to him. He was on the receiving end. He had very little say, he had very little standing. And yet now he's in a place where he is the most powerful. When I think of those extremes in Togo, I think of what's happening, happening right now this week. This week, our corn prices, the price of a bowl of dried field corn that could be ground and turned into food has gone from 45 cents to 85 cents. And for most of our families and most of the people that I know and love, this has made a very, very impact, big impact on their family and on their lives and their livelihood. And this week for national news, we've also seen in that same country that a billion dollars of fuel has been stolen and nobody knows where it went. So you have people who have very little say and you have people that seem to control everything and they live in this same world together. And so often what we can see is that people can be changed by power and prestige if they let it get to them, if they let it change them. But when we see a person like Joseph, a person of character, we see someone who is not changed. He still keeps his moral absolute, that compass within that drives him in decisions. And so while he could have been like the person that took large amounts of wealth for himself and changed the way he lives his life, he actually said, I'm going to leverage my power and my prestige to be able to help other people. And in turn, not only did he save his brothers and his father and his family and generations to come, he changed tens of thousands of people's destiny in that moment because they found food and they were able to continue living. And so he used what God had given him by staying true to his character and allowing that to drive his decisions. When I think of Joseph's story in the Old Testament, it's probably, it's pretty hard not to think of Jesus in the New Testament. In fact, there are so many correlations between this story of Jesus and then thousands, of Joseph and then thousands of years later with Jesus. And so Jesus said these words in the New Testament that I want us to look at in Matthew 25. He says, you've been faithful over a little, I will set you over much. It's because of that character, because of that faithfulness and the way that he stewarded and managed what God had given him, that he was able to be given and entrusted with much because he did let that guide his every decision. And so today I want us to think about the five decisions that Joseph made that we can apply to our life this week. So we have to start by looking for opportunities, asking God for opportunities to allow character to drive all that we do. Joseph used his relationship with God and it influenced every decision he made. He made people's lives better everywhere he went. Seems like that's a pretty easy one for us, isn't it? The third, he chose the best decision over the easy one. He chose relationship over being right. If I'm honest, that can be hard for me sometimes. And he was unchanged by power and prestige. And so as we look at this week as an opportunity 
to be able to make choices and use what we have to change the world around us. Let's look for those opportunities. Let's ask God for those opportunities. And then let's not look for the easy way out. Let's look for the best decision in those scenarios. Can I pray with us and ask God to show us what that looks like? God, we thank you for Joseph's story from thousands of years ago, and yet it's as if it was written today. I pray that you'll help us this week as we look around, as we look for opportunities to make the best decision, to have the character to drive all that we do. And God, in Joseph's story, this was all influenced by his relationship with you. So help that to be the primary thing in our lives. And if someone today doesn't know you, May he listen in the next couple minutes. May she listen in the next couple minutes and learn how they can begin that relationship with the God that created them. Thank you for this text. Thank you for this story and help us this week in Christ's name, amen. Man, what an incredible message today. Some of you, you're hearing this message and you know you're far from God. You don't have a personal relationship with the God who created you. And some of you, you've been going your own way. You've been keeping God at a distance. But I want you to know you are one sincere prayer away from changing your life forever. So right where you are, I want to ask you one more time to bow your head, close your eyes. And if that's you today, you know you need a personal relationship with God. Just say this prayer right where you are. Just say, today, God, I'm sorry for going my own way. Tell, tell him that right where you are. I'm sorry for going my own way. I'm sorry for keeping you at a distance. But today, say this, today, as simply as I know how, I give my life to you. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. And today, I give my life back to you. Now make this declaration, say, come, live inside of me. Make me the man, make me the woman you long for me to be. I hold nothing back, I give my life to you. Now, Holy Spirit, I thank you for every person praying that prayer. Some, they're praying this prayer for the very first time. Others, it's a recommitment prayer. We just simply say, thank you for saving people in this moment. We honor you today in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, if you just prayed that prayer with me, if you would do me a favor and fill out the online connection card on our app or even there in the chat on Facebook, just, just fill out the online connection card, check the box, say, today I'm giving my life to Jesus. It's the same hassle-free guarantee. We just wanna send you an email celebrating the most important decision you're ever gonna make and then giving you some clear next steps with your new faith in Jesus. And more than anything else, we are so proud of you and we can't wait to see all that God is gonna do in your heart and in your life. And you know, church, before we sign off for today, we're gonna to continue to worship the Lord through the giving of our tithe and offering. I know you're cheering. I know you're excited about that. We serve a give first God, so we're going to be a give first people. So however you do that, online, now through the church app, or maybe you're still mailing it in the, um, through the mail, and however you're giving right now, thank you for your continued and amazing generosity. We're able to do incredible things here locally, but as you just heard from, from JJ, we're able to do incredible things all around the world. So thank you. Keep it up. You're making an incredible difference. All right, let me pray for you as we sign off today. God, thank you again for these amazing people. Thank you for your word, for how clear and practical it is for all of us from all walks of life. Now, I pray um, today that we will have the best Sunday afternoon we've ever had. In Jesus' name we pray, 
Amen. Church, I love you. Keep coming back. I'll see you next Sunday. God bless you.